0: Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth Podcast. So glad that you're joining in with us. We're still working our way through the book of Romans, but we're coming to an end this week. We're looking at chapter 14 into chapter 15, and man, oh man, I've got to tell you that as we've gone through Romans, we've moved from the doctrine into how to live out this doctrine, and it's getting a little harder. It's a little more painful to be studying these passages because they're so relevant to the world that we're living in today. Before we get into this podcast, let me just draw attention to a couple things. Please be looking for uh, opportunities to get further training, inductive Bible study training, uh, in locations near you. Or you can join online and get trained in how to study the Bible using observation, interpretation, and application. You can also join one of our online classes. We've got many options from five hours a week homework down to no homework. You can join in and participate in a class. So folks, we uh, really appreciate you as listeners of this podcast And I want to encourage you that uh, we want to share your story, even if it's just one or two sentences about how the ministry of unlocking the truth has made an impact in your life. Maybe it's enhanced what you've already been studying in Romans. Maybe you've been challenged in some areas to grow in your life. We would love to hear those stories And you can send it to info at PreceptMinistries.ca because we want to share that with those who give financially to Precept. We want uh, people who are invested to give on a monthly basis or whether they give once a year or, you know, when they are led by the Lord to donate to Precept. We want them to know that the ministry we are doing is making an impact in this country and around the world. So please share those stories. Thank you for those who are sharing those stories. But we love to hear them, and we want to share them with the people uh, in Canada. All right, let me pray for our time together, and then we'll dig right in to this week's episode. Father, we do thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that uh, we can understand it, that when we take the time to... To use a method like the inductive Bible study method, we can learn how to properly observe, properly interpret, and then rightly apply the scriptures to our lives. And I pray, Lord, that through this episode, this is a hard episode, Lord. This is one that you've been challenging me, and I know you're going to challenge others in this. That we would continue to learn uh, from your word how we are to live uh, in the world that we're living in, in preparation for your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let me recap for you. We have come a long way. This is episode 15, only 16 episodes uh in the Romans podcast. We took a uh, a long break over the summer and uh we're wrapping up this fourth segment of Romans. And uh the the segments that we looked at, segment 1, uh which was chapters 1 to 3, Uh, was the problem of sin and the solution of Jesus. Segment two was all about sanctification by faith, which covered uh, chapters four to eight. Uh, Chapter three, uh, segment three, sorry, we looked at chapters nine to 11, which was God's sovereignty concerning Israel and how there's still a plan and purpose for Israel, uh, not only uh, past, present, but also in the future. And then now we're into that uh, living, loving, and serving in light of what we know. And so uh, this really is the chapters where we're living out the truth of the doctrine that we've seen in chapters 1 to 11. Uh, Chapter 12 was focused on uh, really making that sacrificial commitment uh, to follow after Jesus and be renewed uh, by, in our minds, and not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed and con- to be like Jesus. Uh, he also, Paul also said, in light of that, we're all one body, we're one group of people, we're one in the church, and we need to love one another. The great commandments from Jesus, love God and love others. Uh, Chapter 13, Be in Subjection, which was the episode that we uh, just released two weeks ago. And that is how to be in subjection to governing authorities. And this week, we're we're getting back into the walls of the church. And so, uh, Romans 14, the focus is going to be on accepting one another. All right, so uh, the way that we're going to work this chapter is we need to understand, first and foremost, that not only in the church in Rome, but also in the church that we attend, in the body of Christ today, that the church is filled with both mature and immature believers. All right, so in Romans 14, he's going to refer to these two groups Of people as the weak and the strong. The entire chapter, all the way to chapter 15, verse 7, is one giant comparison on the weak and the strong. In the church today, we have those same differences. We have people who are mature in Christ, and we have people who are uh, immature. Now, I'm not talking about where we are in the date of when we accepted Jesus. All right, there can be some young people that have a very mature faith because they dig into the Word of God and they see what God's Word has for their life, and so they're continually growing in the faith. You can have people who have been Christians since they were 10 years old, and they're now 70 years old, and they can be immature believers because They've never moved beyond the elementary principles of the gospel. And so what we've got, though, is we've got these groups of people where everybody's on uh, a different path of their journey uh, towards meeting Jesus. And one of the traps that people can fall into is both ways. All right. So the mature can easily fall into the trap of judging the way that immature believers are living and immature believers can judge the way that mature believers are living. All right. And so some of the simplest things that people can be judgmental about are the movies, the TV, the music that that people might be listening to can all come under the judgment Of Well, you're a mature believer. You shouldn't be watching TV shows like that. Oh, you're an immature believer. You shouldn't be watching stuff like that. And that's really what Paul is going to be addressing here in these uh, in these chapters. All right. So the interesting thing, though, in chapters 14 up to chapter 15, verse seven, Paul doesn't give us a list of rules of how we are to uh, interact with one another and to accept one another, all right? So there's not a do this, don't do that kind of mentality or instruction in these verses, but there are principles that are laid out here and that these principles that are laid out, we can apply these principles to our own lives today. One scholar posed these principles as questions, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take the same idea that this scholar did by posing these principles as questions, all right? So I've taken, taken the principles, reworded them uh, for our purposes today and so that we can understand. All right, so the first question, all right? So there are going to be uh, a total of six questions. So question number one is verses one to five. And question number one is, am I living the fully convinced life? So let's look at Romans 14 verses one to four. Uh, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions, One person has a faith that he may eat all things, but uh, he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls." And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him proud. All right. Remember, as we work through this, there's the big contrast is the weak and the strong. So as good students of the inductive Bible study method, we look for repeated words or we look for people and we write lists on them. So I've got a list on those who are weak in the faith. All right, the first thing we know, <laughs> they're weak in the faith. All right, they only eat vegetables, but they're not to judge their brother who has the faith to eat all things. So the first question that we want to ask of ourselves is, who are these weak people? It's believed that these weak people are the Jewish believers, those who may have been affected by the Judaizers teaching that it was important for them to keep dietary restrictions of the law, that you are to keep holding to those diet restrictions as a part of righteousness and living the right life. You've got to maintain and hold to these laws. The other group of people is the strong brother, The instructions to the strong brother are they are to accept one another. They're not to pass judgment. They have a faith to eat all things, but they're not to regard their brother with contempt. The strong believers are the Gentile believers, the ones who don't hold to the dietary laws that are of the Old Testament. It's very interesting that in Romans chapter 2, we go all the way back there, Paul lays out that Jews are not to be judging the Gentiles. And so we know that there is some dissension in the church. We know that from chapter 16. We've we we've uh, talked about that in previous podcasts. And, and Paul really wants to address the dissension. So we've got one of those dissensions right now we we've drawn them out and one of them is regarding dietary restrictions Uh, one believing that they are going to hold to the dietary restrictions and one that doesn't have that and so if they're both pursuing righteousness one thinks this is the way to do it and the other thinks that this is the way to do it and what can happen you get finger pointing and so you get judgment beginning to happen Who's the one that's doing the right thing and who's the one that's not doing the right thing? Do you see how this happens in our church today? We have this very thing. We have finger pointing and judging others. But Paul says here in verses 1 to 4 that we're not to judge each other because we're brothers and sisters. We, whether in this case these Jews and Gentiles, both of them are servants of God. They're both trying to please God in the way that they live. You see, the important thing for us to understand is we're not to act from our emotions. Christians are not supposed to completely act from their emotions and then go off on these tangents. Because usually when we don't stop and recenter ourselves to the Word of God, we act on our emotions and we get angry about things we get judgmental, and that really is coming from the flesh. That's not coming from the Spirit of God. And you see, but we are to be people who are reacting or acting from our inward convictions. This is very important for you and I to understand that when we're living in the church and we see the way that Uh, One person's living may not be living the way we're expecting them to live because this is what we know as mature people. We need to remember that we're all on different uh, stages of our journey of faith. And so we are to act from our inward convictions. Romans 12 tells us that we've been changed. We're no longer like the world. We are being conformed into the image of Christ. Our inward convictions, these are the things that align with the Word of God. These are the things that are strengthened in our prayer life. Listen to what one scholar wrote about this. He said, "...there'd be no serious disagreements if every Christian acted from conviction. Opinions are what, what, are what we hold, while convictions are what hold us together." And in this case, a believer's life is not to be directed by opinions or judgment of others, but we are to be directed by Jesus. And this is the thing. A mature Christian should know why they behave the way that they do. They've got more experience. They've got more time in the Word of God. They've got a greater understanding of the truths of God's Word. And they know in which God has called us to live the righteous life. You see, when we get caught into opinions, we start to stray away from the line of truth, which is the word of God, and we start to add things. Gospel plus, this is the way that I think you should live, where we should be coming along and accepting one another where we are at, But at the same time, we'll address this later. I do believe that discipleship of the weaker brother is very important, but we'll come to that very soon. But the most important thing is that we should be driven by our convictions, that the gospel is what saves us. The gospel is what transforms us and that we all are servants of the same God. And therefore, we're not in a place to judge. All right? So, am I living the fully convinced life? Am I living my life and living my own walk with Jesus that I am fully convinced that this is what God has called me to do and has shown me the way to live from his word. Question number 2 comes from verses 6 to 9. Am I living my life for the Lord? All right, let's look at verses 6 to 9. It says he who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat. And give thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the dead of the living i don't know about you but sometimes when you're reading scripture you can automatically see the repeated phrase i mean you can hear it when you're reading it you can you can just go wow yeah that keeps repeating itself over and over verse 6 for the lord verse 6 twice for the lord wait wait three times for the lord in verse 6 and so, and then in verse 8, you've got, we live for the Lord, or we die for the Lord. You see the repeated phrase? It's all for the Lord. Let me remind you of Romans 12, 1 and 2, and of Romans chapter 6, that when we have committed our life to the Lord, when we have sacrificed ourselves when we have died to sin, when we were resurrected in newness of life, when we laid our body out as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, we died to any of our own opinions, our own lives, and we began to follow our master and teacher, Jesus. We begin to be formed and shaped like him. That means everything that we do our entire existence as Christians is for the Lord. Now, that can really draw attention because the world that we're living in does not teach this. This is absolutely countercultural and countercurrent to what the world teaches because right now the world teaches That your truth is your truth, that it's all about you, and that you matter more than anything about anything else, and that you are the focus, and you are the center, and everything about you is very, very, very important. And that means your will, your desires, your hopes, and your plans are all about you. That's the world. But we died to all of that. We have determined to become like our master and teacher, Jesus. That's what disciple means. It means to be a lifelong follower who adheres to the teachings of their master. So this all comes down to motives. This all comes down to how we live. You see, the first was What do we believe in our conscience? And this here becomes, what is our motive? In this case, the strong believer eats whatever they want, and they thank the Lord for the provision that they have. The weak brother eats according to ceremony, but they too are thankful to the Lord. You see, in both cases, both Jew and Gentile in this church, and this can happen here today, that both cases, the motive of these people is to please the Lord. They're both doing it for the same reason. They're doing it to please God. And our lives should be so focused on pleasing the Lord and not following the selfish ambitions of our former lives. You see, most often our poor actions, they're a result of our selfish motives. We end up wanting to please ourselves more than we want to please the Lord. You see, the truth is that we must constantly be reminded of this very fact. We no longer live for ourselves. We now live a life that pleases and honors God. So am what I am doing, what's my motive behind it? Is my motive for doing the things that I'm doing are they all for the Lord all right question number 3 let's look at that one and it comes in verses 10 to 12 and it's called and the question is will my actions stand the test of the judgment seat listen to what he says in verse 10 but you why do you judge your brother or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to you. So then each one of us will give account to himself, of himself to God. What Paul says here is, we have no right to judge our brethren. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're all we're all trying to please the same god and you see because we're all trying to please the same god we should remember that will our actions stand through the test and the trial of the judgment seat of christ well let's look at a couple of cross references on the judgment seat of christ for a moment and so we can get a better understanding of this before we Move on to question number four. This judgment seat of Christ that Paul is referring to has nothing to do with salvation. We already have been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus took on the wrath of God as payment for our sins. Romans 8 tells us there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 tells us we are justified by faith. And so this is about how we live our lives in that time from salvation until we meet Jesus again. Listen to what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. You see, we're not in any place to judge one another. We're all going to be examined by the Lord. Here's another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, uh, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, woods, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive reward." If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple is holy, and that is what you are. You see, each one of us, we have a fleshly tendency to judge other people we have a tendency to to look at the things that what people are doing and judge them and point it out as they're wrong but as one of my students in my class said and i'm i'm sure it's a saying that you all know when you point one finger you have three pointing back at you and we have to remember that even our actions are going to be accountable before God. You see we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to look at the work that was built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And some of that work will be good work and some of it will not be work, good work. But the idea and the principle here is that those who run their race well will be rewarded at the end. Another great story to look at is the parable of the talents. You can read that one on your own, but each person was entrusted with something and one did more and one did less. The key point in all of that is that the one who did what they were supposed to was rewarded. We all have to give an account of our own lives. Folks, let me just remind you again, and this is what's so convicting. You do not have to give an account of your brother's life. You have to answer for yourself when we're here on earth. And you see, if we're doing everything, as question two says, and we're doing everything to live a life that is pleasing the Lord, then our actions should be able to test the judgment seat of Christ. We should be able to stand before Jesus one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to live a a life in a manner that glorifies God and produces rewards for Him. Do our actions in the way that we interact with other believers in the church, will those actions stand the test of the judgment seat? All right, let's look at question number four. We're flying through these this week, folks. Question number four is... Am I causing others to stumble? Do my actions cause others to stumble? Verses 13 to 21. He says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in the brother's way. I know that I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you uh, what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who lives in this way serves Christ, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil uh, for the man who eats and gives offense." It is good not to eat meat or good or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. All right, it's good not to eat meat, drink what whatever causes the brother to stumble. Context again is king here. So we want to look at a couple of these stumbling blocks that Paul's talking about here in this chapter, and then we'll draw out what the book of Mark says about these um, stumbling blocks. All right, so there's three stumbling blocks in Romans chapter 14 that Paul is referring to. The first is dietary food laws, what they are to eat and what they are not to eat. The Jewish people were still holding to those food laws and the Gentiles didn't have them, stumbling block number one. Stumbling block number two is found in, In verse 5, one person regards one day above another and another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced of um, every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He observes the day, observes it for the Lord. All right. So we've come through those verses already in verse 6, but this is about holding the Sabbath as holy. Stumbling block number two is that according to the law given in the Old Testament that the Sabbath holds a high priority. It's very important to the Jewish believer. But you see to the Gentile believer, the Sabbath isn't held high because they are not held to the law. They didn't have the law. They didn't know the law. And so they don't have the high regard for the Sabbath like The Jews do. And so that's another stumbling block. One held that in high esteem and the other group didn't. And the third is drinking wine. It's the principle of whether that's good to do or not to do. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure in the church history there's been multiple battles over that third stumbling block, and there probably still is today. But you see, what Paul is telling us here when it comes to these stumbling blocks is the one thing that we are allowed to judge is this. (laughs) It's not judge what other people are doing. It's to judge whether our actions are causing issues for other believers. You see, we're allowed to Look inside and see if our external things are causing our fellow believers to stumble. We can judge ourselves and we don't want to be a stumbling block for other believers. All right, so let's look at Mark chapter 9, it's a big section of scripture. Mark 9, verses 33 to 50, and listen to what uh, Mark records of Jesus' teaching. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another, which one of them was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last. Of all and the servant of all. Uh, taking a child, he set him before them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. You know, a side note to all of this, I'm sure you folks like rabbit trails, but you know what? One of the things I'm convinced of is why the disciples were asking whether who was the greatest, all comes as a result of the transfiguration. Do you see who went to the Mount of Transfiguration? Because Mark has that as the event that comes before. And so he's got Peter, James, and John going up. And what do they get to see? They get to see uh, Jesus, you know, on the mountain and God saying that this was his son. And those three got to see it and the other disciples didn't. And when they're walking on the road, they're are they bragging about it? <laughs> I got to see that. That's so cool. We're the best. We're the chosen of the 12. And Jesus puts them in their place right away. That's what my thought. Was. Side note on that. Back on to where we are. Verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able, and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck he had been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. Eye where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell. Uh, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone who will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. You see the teachings from Jesus here, is he's causing stumbling and he's saying that it is very bad. It is not a good thing to be a stumbling block. For other people. You see, what Paul is bringing to the point here is that the Christian, the person who has been transformed, the person who is being conformed into the image of Jesus each and every day, that individual, their motive, their push is to please the Lord, and their real desire is to love. They are to have a love for the pursuit of righteousness. And out of that pursuit and love of righteousness, they have a love to build up others, to build them up in Christian love. And you see, we have to be careful that our actions do build up and not cause others to fall into sin. Well, we could pause for a moment and we'll understand that in the context there is three stumbling blocks. Uh, Drinking wine, food laws, and the Sabbath. Those are three things that are causing dissension. But even in the church today, we have some stumbling blocks. Think about some mature believers, those who are older in the church. We now have a generation That is coming into the church that are wearing baseball caps, that are wearing jeans, that are not wearing the same kind of clothing that we were used to wearing when we went to church. How are we looking at those people that are wearing those clothes? Are we looking at those clothes with the eyes of judgment and to look down on those people or are we looking at them in love and saying, Praise the Lord, that those people are here in the church wanting to learn and grow in their faith? Now, we've got to be careful with all of this because we have to understand that this is where I believe that discipleship comes in. We can we understand that in the world today that The new, weaker Christians that come to the saving faith, they may not understand what proper dress might be for the church. They might come into the church, as we heard in one of our, our classes when we discussed this, is maybe they come in with, you know, belly buttons showing or crop tops or whatever the case may be. Well, that too could become a stumbling block for people. But the most important thing that we need to understand is that we have to be accepting of one another, but that doesn't mean we can live with that forever. We can disciple people into understanding what it means to be a Christian. That we can not force or judge the way that people are, accept, love one another, and disciple people into living in a way that brings glory and honor to God. But the first thing that always ends up happening is the mature judge the immature. When I was a youth pastor in my church, I had a young man come from the high school and he came to our youth group. I invited him out and I told him, I said, we have no judgment in this group. You can come, you can participate. And you see this boy, he walked into the church and he walked in with his head held high. He had an ACDC t-shirt on. His hair was blue and his face was filled with earrings. He had him in his nose and he had him in his lip and he had probably 10 on both ears. And He walked into that church and one of the members of the church walked in and told him he was in the wrong place. And that man, that boy, never entered our church again. You see, that's a stumbling block. That's something that caused someone to trip right out the door. And what Paul is telling us here is that we need to look into ourselves and we need to judge whether we're being a stumbling block to others. In the context here, food or eating meat or not observing certain days or drinking. But Paul, what he wants us to know in 2 Corinthians, he wants us to know that we are to do all things for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what one scholar wrote about causing others to stumble. He said, How selfish is it for a Christian to tear down another believer's spiritual life because of his own selfish living. His practices may be lawful, but they do not come under the law of love. Law, The law of love needs to be the greatest priority in our lives. We need to be so focused on accepting one another and not causing each other to stumble. We have to look out for each other. But again, I want to reiterate this, that I firmly believe, even within this ministry, that discipleship is a vital part of our conforming into the image of Christ. And there may be weak believers who come into the church. You know what? They may not fully understand what's happening. They may not know how to fully act. They may still be cursing like a sailor out on the street and then come into the church And realize, whoa, I can't do that. But disciple, 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 teach people how to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. We can't be people who are judgmental and cause others to stumble. At the same time, we must hold to our convictions. And that brings us to question five. And question five comes in verses 22 and 23. And it is, am I doing what I'm doing by faith? Listen to what he says in these verses. He says, the faith which you have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. In the context here, Paul says that each believer has their own convictions regarding whether they eat meat or not. And because they have their own convictions, or whether they observe a day, or whether they drink wine or they don't drink wine, that is to be their convictions. That's what they can hold to. In my case, in my life, I hold to the conviction that I don't drink. I don't judge other people for what they do, but I hold that conviction in my own life. So, Paul, he says that you uh doesn't say here you need to give up your convictions, but— What we should do is behave in a way that doesn't cause issues for others, which brings judgment on themselves. Ultimately, Paul says here that if you have doubts about the activity, don't do it. Anything done outside of faith is sin. Faith glorifies God by trusting Him. A lack of faith dishonors God. Finally, question number six. Am I pleasing myself or am I pleasing others? You see, our focus here is to bear the weaknesses of the weaker. Listen to what he says in verse fifteen, chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of others of those without strength and not just please ourselves each of us is to please his neighbor for his for his good to his edification for even christ did not please himself but as it was written the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope now may the god of who gives perseverance and encouragement, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see right here, folks, this is discipleship. It's bearing the weaknesses of the weaker. It's bringing them along and building them up and not tearing them down every single one of us, wherever we are on our road to meeting Jesus, wherever we are on our road to faith, maybe we've been a Christian for 25 years, maybe we've been a Christian for three months, we're all being conformed into the image of Christ. We're all called to live like Jesus did. This is discipleship here, folks. Paul's call is for believers to be like-minded. He closes this section by saying we need to accept one another. This still applies to us today. We must understand that there are differences among Christians. We're all on different paths. We're all on different timelines of our faith journey. We're not to use those differences for the purpose of causing division. We're not to use those differences to cause stumbling blocks to further growth of other people. We're to build up the weaker ones. We're to disciple them in the word of God. And we're to show them how God has called us to live. And so my challenge in this week's episode, folks, is for you to actually take a few moments, take some moments with God, and look inward. How do you respond? How do you react when you see the actions of another believer? Is it with the eyes of judgment? Or is it with the eye of the very fact that you want to bear that weakness and build up instead of tear down? Jesus said it's better to cut your hand off, cut your foot off, and take your eye out than have them be a stumbling block. We don't want to be stumbling blocks for people. If the goal of every Christian is to be conformed into the image of Christ, to spend eternity with Jesus, we need to go together. We need to walk together. We need to build each other up. And you know what, folks? That's something that may be missing in our church today. That may be missing in our church. We're seeing generations of young people leaving the church They leave because of hypocrisy. They leave because of arguing in the church. We need to get back to discipling. We need to be learning from each other and building each other up. And asking the questions that we've seen here. Am I doing this to please myself? Or am I doing this to build up others? It's a challenging challenging chapter spend some time reading it away from this podcast this week and you will see there is a lot of conviction happening in there because it's so easy for us to point the finger and judge others but we need to be accepting of one another not causing others to be not causing ourselves to make other people stumble we're all headed in the same way we all want to meet Jesus We all serve the same God. Build up the church. Disciple one another. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Father, we do thank you for all that we have seen in this week's episode. Lord, I pray that as we wrap up this podcast next week that you would continue to work in the lives of those who are listening, those who are studying. Father, continue to work in my heart as well that we would be accepting of one another, that we would be unified, all glorifying you in the way that we live in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.